Hey guys, welcome to the debrief. After our episode with Kyla talking about all of the the weirdness that's going on, um, David, I'm I'm glad we uh, I, I'm glad you we figured out that we had to hit the record button like four <laughs> minutes into the episode, so we didn't lose the whole thing. <laughs> that happened, guys. We had to redo the uh, the intro here. But mm-hmm. look, man, um, a lot of weird stuff going on. I don't I don't remember another point that I've been in live where things have felt so strange. Lots of moving weird. pieces. Yep, lots of moving pieces. And it's just the world has become increasingly hard to predict. Mm-hmm. Like you can't necessarily extrapolate the last couple of decades and just say, oh, well, we're going to have another decade like the previous three or four. There's something in the air right now. It feels like this decade is going to be a lot different than ones that have preceded it. Of course, we're bullish, we're optimistic. Uh, crypto is one thing that makes us bullish and optimistic about this decade and about humanity's future. But um, there's a lot of other things going on, a lot of wrenches that mm-hmm. could be thrown in the gears here. And we talked about a number of those today. What were some of your thoughts coming out of this episode? Yeah, it, it go, my mind goes back to the whole fourth turning uh, conversation where like, there's just varying uh, differences in the supply of order in the world and the demand for order in the world. And if you believe this fourth turning thesis, uh, which is a book that uh, I highly recommend, actually, uh, there's there's two sinusoid waves that cross paths at different points. And one is this, how much does the world demand order? How much do the people of the world, global society, how much do they want in order? And then how much order does the world, is the world able to provide? And right now, people are asking the world, hey, can you please provide us with more order uh, because we want more of it? And that is a conversation of like, we have distrust in institutions. The institutions of the world are not providing us with the order that we need. Therefore, we're looking elsewhere. And so supply of order is down and demand for order is high. And this is kind of uh, happening at the same time as a lot of weird things are happening. Like the one positive... uh, Politically, uh, the politically neutral statement is about to come next. But like the one thing I did appreciate about Donald Trump is he grabbed America and just like rattled the cage, and like that allowed new things to settle in new places. And also, COVID did one thing good, which is took America and it rattled the cage. And like as a took the world, I mean, took the world, yeah. Um, and one thing that uh, Kyla talked about um, was that how a lot of policy was just antiquated and outdated that we are now able to re, uh, rethink for the first time in forever. Like, hey, why do we do these things? Uh, one, one of the uh, stories that came out of COVID was like there were uh, regulations around nurses not being able to go across state lines. Uh, and that is a policy that just really made no sense whatsoever. And because of COVID, it's just legacy policy. It's like, this is just what we do. We don't know one really questions it. No one had the need to question it but then covid came around and they were like hey this policy is dumb and as and so they took that policy away and now nurses have just more freedom in their ability to uh, migrate labor and that was a uh, the pendulum shifted in the favor of labor in that particular instance and kyla talked about a number of other instances of how just like we have all this old weird policy like the, the way that school hours work and how we even go to school, how we even get educated are these incumbent systems that we all organize by. And like, perhaps we actually don't have to organize them any, anymore. And so like the one thing that I'm seeing people 
everyone is waking up it seems to be in in the 2020s being like yo like what's going on because all this stuff is broken now let's do some new stuff Uh, and that creates a lot of instability uh, but it creates instability because people are looking for order in new places yeah, they're looking for new order, right? They're not new looking order. for the existing like order. I, yeah, I think it's new same. order. That's a that's a hairy word, Ryan. <laughs> that's the that's the Star Wars new order. Uh, well, <laughs> right. Look, it's the title. Of, I mean, I'm reading Dahlia's book right now, which is mm. like changing world order. It's mm. like he's like you know every so often we get a changing uh, world order and it's just cyclical, right? And it's like we're at the edge of one world order established after World War II and maybe getting ready to enter into another, but like. I wish what you're saying about policies, I wish we could do that with every, like a lot of, a lot more things. Just, yo, this policy is dumb. It doesn't make sense. Let's change it. Mm-hmm. But it feels so hard to do. Right. Like Investor accreditation take, laws. Yes. Take accredited investor laws. Who wants those things? Who yeah. wants them? Yeah. Rich people. Do they? Well, yeah. Well, they don't even know I that they, even they, they benefit from people. them, but they don't want them. I don't think most rich people like, want them even i'm not even sure who wants them right the sec want them from like a do they even know why they want them right Uh, it's just like they want to enforce them but they don't actually want the policy no and the policy is like not the original principle of um fair orderly efficient markets uh where you know like it's it's going against that create a policy where only rich people have the ability to invest in a certain class of assets like how terrible does that sound that's what it that's what it does but we still have this cruft on the books and we're all abiding by it and so yeah there is a there is a really good element that i think that you know 2020s people are questioning a lot of things Mm -hmm. um but i guess there's the potential that some of this questioning leads to leads to chaos um you know like how freaked out are you about potential ukraine russia thing that's been on my periphery not front and center for me it's just like one of those things where okay i'll worry about that when it gets a bit more serious Mm -hmm. like hopefully things will simmer down but um i mean is that a real worry for you are you how concerned are you about that the the one specific instance i'm not terribly like that i'm more worried about that just being the first of many as in like it kicks off like a uh an an environment in world war Uh, yeah yeah maybe maybe not that like powder keg ish but just like you know, Russia invades Ukraine and then it works. And then like, all right, well, like, hey, that works. Let's let's do it again. And then China invades Taiwan. And all of a sudden, just people start land grabbing just because it's in it's in zeitgeist. Like, hey, this is what we do in the 20s. We, we grab some land. America, like, fumbled Afghanistan, so they're not going to do anything. Uh, and so, like, we'll just go ahead and snag some land while we have the opportunity because, like, who's going to stop us? Because the 20s are weird and that's what we do now. Like, I'm worried about that. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's bad. <laughs> right? I mean, that that sort of thing is... Um, and I do feel... Um, it, I think Kyla kind of ended with this, which is like, what can you do? Right. I was just like struck by this helplessness of, you know, just being grinded in the gears of history, right? If like major world powers, megalomaniacs, if they want war, what can we do about that? Right, yeah like we are at it, putin's whim it's kind of it's kind of this this feeling of of, of helplessness i guess about it so what, what what can you do other than stay educated hope and you mm-hmm. know um see how all of this plays out except i will say the one thing we can do is try to create more 
decentralized systems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think crypto is, look, it's not going to bring about world peace and it's not going to solve the Ukraine issue, obviously, but it can bring about, it can exchange it can supply more order. power to the Russian people, mm. to a, away from centralized institutions that can get us in this sort of predicament in the first place. Um, I think that's one reason we're in crypto, but it doesn't solve these other wider issues. Um, what else stuck out for you with the conversation? Yeah, she said something that I really agreed with in that, like, we're the conflicts and wars that we fight in this decade and next are just not going to look like the ones previously. Like, I think these are going to be very, very non-violent conflicts, as in, like, we're not going to be launching bombs and there's not going to be very many much human flesh on the actual front lines. It's going to be a, um, a war of narratives, of cyber warfare, of drones. Uh, which can like kind of bring about even worse destruction at the end of the day. It's like the actual violence migrates away from the front lines and into just like the homes of people where like Russia attacks like a site. Your power grids out. So power, your power grids out, your internet's out, like your your finance, your finance system coast. is gone. Yeah. yeah, right. And so like it's less about like can we make people, can we shoot people full of holes and it, instead it turns into can we just shut off their infrastructure Cut, cut on their food supply chains, cut off their heat, uh, cut off their internet and make them feel well, helpless course, and depressed. Even, like, that always escalates, right? It just takes uh, I guess so. to be like, uh, if you do that, we're going to launch missiles. Right. If you do that again, don't do it again. That's right. the bright line. And then they do it again and missiles, missiles are launched and then we're all screwed again. I feel like we are watching these two versions of the future play out simultaneously where we have just like this super dystopian cyber nation state power psyops warfare like timeline start to manifest between Russia and China, respectively with uh, Taiwan and, and um, Ukraine. And then we have like the utopia, which is like the DAOs, the governance at the margins, wealth at the margins, wealth for everyone. We're all going to make it together. We can figure out this new financial system. Everyone's included. They new social organization systems that we build ourselves it's like we're watching these things happen simultaneously and like they're kind of it feels like they're in a race go either way yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're probably ultimately going to end up getting both like people are going to start to disalign their personal identities with their nation states and become more aligned with web3 type stuff while the people that are left in power of nation states just start like bombing stuff <laughs> Sorry. Did you ever read uh, Yuval Harari's uh, second book? Not uh, Homo Deus. Yeah, Homo Deus. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that about um, the idea that is basically like um, he's very bearish on AIs? Well, basically that, that the idea that artificial intelligence would sort of centralize nation state power and right. create kind of the dystopia that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, I don't think crypto has mentioned that book. By the way, I just sort of skimmed it. I didn't in-depth read. So maybe if you read it, you could, you'd, you know, tell he me. He did talk about it, crypto, but, but not very much. So that, you know, that's the premise. I guess that's, uh, that's one possibility here mm-hmm. that, um, like, we're headed towards. Maybe, maybe even careening towards. Right. Um, yeah, what do you think? <laughs> like, does that happen, do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, I think the conversation is that, like, AI is very much rooted in the physical world um, in the sense that like when one nation state can figure out and crack the generalized AI nut, then like and it can start to optimize its supply chains, optimize its manufacturing, optimize its weaponry, optimize its military. It can just optimize everything that's physical about the world. And then on the other side of the, the, the centralization, decentralization spectrum, we have crypto, which is like, well, 
like AI can can do like market type stuff, but it can't like the, all the physical stuff is outside of crypto. Uh, and so like crypto is the last bastion of decentralization while AI comes and takes over the world. That's kind of the, the dichotomy that, that he presented in that book. Yeah, what's that Peter Thiel quote? He says something about this, but like um, something like AI is always centralizing and you mm-hmm. know, crypto is decentralizing. Right. Um, you know, AI kind of like e- even if you think about our, you know, artificial intelligence, how it's constructed, you need massive data sets to pour over. Like right. machine learning just thrives off of data. That's its that's its ingredient. That's its oil. And you need that collapsed into like centralized data structures. You need to collect all of the data. That's why, you know, Facebook and Google, you know, that's why they are so successful because it's a network play to gather as much data as possible. And if you like, you know, that's why it's a power of the the centralizing agent. Whereas, whereas, whereas crypto is kind of the opposite. It it diffuses um, power. It provides a common defense for the individual that is immune uh, from nation state attack. That's why it's a, a technology for freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a, a dichotomy that's playing out. Um, what do you think about the conversation about nihilism we had with yeah. Kyla? Well, I mean, after talking about this, it makes like, oh, no shit, people are nihilists. Like, <laughs> Did I just bring I it down? See, yeah, I feel it now. Like, goddamn. <laughs> it's like, a lot. Yeah, like crypto gives me plenty of reasons to be optimistic about, but maybe I've been like shutting out the rest of the world because it doesn't make yeah. me optimistic. Like crypto is actually the only thing that makes me optimistic these days. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an element to that. When you when you pop out of the crypto bubble for a little bit, it's... Um... Oh, shit, still fucked. Excuse yep. me, sorry. Well, you could say that as a debrief. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, like, it does make you pessimistic, right? Yeah. On these mm-hmm. things. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll cocoon back into our crypto bubble for a bit yeah. and recover before yeah. we uh, take a peek out again. Hopefully there's not a bear market because damn, like, what, what do I have left? <laughs> well, I mean, part of that conversation though is um, about purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, the reason people are nihilistic is because they don't see a better way forward. Right. And they feel very, very helpless to prevent all of these things, which right. is the reason we're in crypto. So maybe the, the game is to get everyone in crypto. So we're all feeling like this. And you know, as we said so often, when they adopt crypto, they adopt crypto values, right? Maybe but that's... see, we we can't get everyone to adopt crypto though, because the more people adopt crypto, the more number goes up, and the more people we leave behind. Like it's a catch twenty two. Like you actually can't do it. Well, so let's talk about that. What do you think about that whole line of conversation about um, the anti NFT, anti crypto uh, zeitgeist that is propagating mm-hmm. recently? Where this one YouTuber kind of tuned into that and just said, "Here's a list of all of the terrible things that I can think of." about NFTs specifically, why they're a fraud and they're a scam. And to be fair, I haven't watched this full video, so, but I think that's the crux of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely an anti-crypto backlash right. from that, why? Yeah, if I, with my not well-researched, uh, I'm just gonna spit out the first answer that comes to my head, which might be perceived as head in the sand by people outside of crypto, is that there's this anti-crypto zeitgeist that this one person did a well did a very good job producing a video to answer to that zeitgeist and got 3.8 million views because everyone needs a reason to hate more to hate more crypto more and to like cope with the fact that they got left behind because they didn't get on the crypto train soon enough uh and so there's like 3.8 million people who are all they're all coping watching that video about how nfts suck uh the the take i heard from robin at the defiant was that like 
yo, this guy's actually not actually critiquing NFTs. He's more critiquing just like uh, society's acceptance of, of like technology. It's more of a anti, um, it's more of just like a, a commentary is like NFTs brought out the worst in society. And it's actually not about NFT, the technology, it's about society. It's a critique on society and the fact that society adopted NFTs. That was what, what Robin said, but I actually haven't watched the video and I honestly don't intend to. Isn't this, isn't this kind of tapping into the energy of people getting left behind yeah. in general? Yeah. Like people feel like they've gotten left behind by traditional markets and by asset prices going up and they can like left behind from buying a home. You can't buy a home, no one can afford a home, this sort of thing. And now here's another thing that has taken off and they've been left behind and they see a whole bunch of like wealthy people who are flashing their wealth right in the form of of nfts and so there's a na there, there's a natural backlash against that it's like oh cool another like group of rich people just screw it around leaving us behind yet again mm -hmm. and it's this uh, you know I, I i understand some of it i definitely do i understand some of it right and i think there are some fair critiques that crypto can learn from this sort of thing right and like one thing we said is create creating moving away from speculative use cases more ways to help people at the same time part of my message to that tribe would be like um why not join us right like right. crypto isn't full of a bunch of establishment people who have done really well in the traditional world and now are coming over to crypto right it's full of people who are just like them, just mm -hmm. like them, except for one thing. They were curious. Yep. They made the they leap. Took, they made the leap. They took the time to learn. They educated themselves and they actually started absorbing some of this content and going on the journey West. Like part of what I say to them is like, dude, we want you to come. Like mm -hmm. the invitation's always been open, right? It's like, this is like the bankless journey. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's invited. And oh, by the way, you're still early. Mm -hmm. Right. So some people, some people, I think, listen to that content, it gets in their brains and it fuels their shared helplessness even more. Yep. And instead of taking that and being like, oh, well, huh, what can I, what can I learn from this? Right. Self-actualization. Self-actual, right. like what, what, what responsibility can, they're just addicted to being angry about it and like mm -hmm. outraged about it as they have been with the traditional system. I just like, I feel like crypto is completely open and permissionless it's not like the existing banking system you want to go be an investment banker on wall street okay well that's a lot like you're probably not going to make it you want to get in on the early stages of a dao or like the next nft community that rises up cool invitations mm -hmm. open come join us like mm -hmm. it's borderless but you have to take that step yourself and i i think that uh that's a lesson that they could learn from mm -hmm. what's going on in crypto like we're just we're just them, except a few more years down this path. There's a, I, I, I've seen this dynamic play out in so many different areas. And, and so I'll take the devil's advocate for what you just said, where um, like there's these types of content producers, like the Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan types who are like, stop complaining, stop blaming other people. Bed. Like, yeah, make your, make your bed, like get out and grind, get out and hustle, like yep. make, make your own success, like go do it. Stop blaming other people for your failures. Stop, stop complaining about how like, you know, you didn't make it like go, go do it. Like, you know, get motivated. And then like, you could just imagine like, I don't know, some 
single mother who's working two jobs trying to make ends meet and uh you know and like it's bitter about nfts because there's like a, a monkey going for a million dollars and <laughs> she's like how the hell am i supposed to get involved with totally. this what the hell do i even do stop yelling at me that yeah, i don't even I no see time. a route i have no time i have no energy i have I to feed it. my kids like and like that's what i think that's where it's coming from yeah and i get that i get that energy and i get that mentality too but mm -hmm. um what I say about that? I don't know. I guess it's not, it's not NFT's fault that that's right. happening. Yeah. I guess there's. But it's a place to deposit rage into, though. Regardless. It, it definitely is. It's a place to deposit rage into. So, what is the what is the cure to that? How does how should crypto respond to that? Or do you think it's kind of just you know mm -hmm. ignore? I think well, I think the broader industry has to learn kind of the same lesson that we learned in the f change from 2021 to 2022 about like uh, decentralization maximalist is actually a privilege and, it, and we need to optimize for freedom maximalization so that we can enable people to become decentralization maximalists. So you have and to help them get wealthy? You have to help them get wealthy. Um, and it's, that's definitely one of the problems about crypto. One of the best tools I've ever learned to get people to stop hating crypto and to start going down the rabbit hole and accepting it. I've see, I've experienced this night and day switch a number of give times. Give them crypto? You give them crypto. You just give them money. Give them some, sh give them, give them an some NFT. shitty NFT. Just like send it, send it to their wallet. Give it to them for free. Get, get rid of the NFTs you don't like. Just give it to them for free. Give them their first like $500, $1,000 like cool NFTs. Cat? Give yep. someone a cool cat? I did give someone a cool cat <laughs> when, it was a, when it was a two ETH floor. Yeah, and <laughs> that was not a shitty NFT. Uh, that, and th that person has become a huge community leader for multiple NFT projects. And so like it was a huge W for the whole NFT industry because I gave this, uh, gave this person a, a cool cat. Like what um, you're saying is like be generous. Yeah. You got to give it away. You got to give it away, um, which is hard, are. which it's really hard to do that. Um, but when there's so much wealth concentration in crypto because number went up so goddamn fast that like there's that's honestly one of the best and most viable tools we have left to making sure people come into this industry is you just give them money. Do you know, um, you had uh, Santi um, from Argentina on mm -hmm. Layer Zero, and he was talking a little bit about his project, uh, UBI project. that mm -hmm. Humanity Earth? Yeah, Humanity Earth. Or Democracy Earth. Democracy Earth, Earth. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, basically depositing, like airdropping um, people cash from all over the world, mm -hmm. and all they had to do was prove their humanity. Is that kind of it? And then you sort, yep. sort of yep. receive an airdrop paycheck. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing is transformational. And I think if you're on the receiving end of that and actually changes your life, mm -hmm. right? Um, then that's going to give you a warm feeling about crypto. Mm -hmm. Like it seems like projects like that are how we onboard the world mm -hmm. more than I guess, you know, speculation and games that already wealthy people play. Right. Totally. Um, the, uh, the other thing that I've learned is that people get onboarded to crypto way better after they hear about stories rather than technical reasons why they should get into crypto it's not about hey numbers gonna go up like also web3 is about decentralization also like DAOs are cool no 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 no. people resonate with hearing a story about somebody who struggled in their life they found crypto it solved a problem with them and now they're free that's how you onboard society is through stories. We already know that like politics is all stories based anyways. Narrative it's all narratives. It's all narratives all the way down. So we need to create the narrative about how crypto is free. And we do that with stories, not about like, here's a blockchain 101, uh, read it and get back to me. Like that's not gonna be how we onboard the world.
yeah that's um i guess propagating more of these stories becomes becomes uh more important so in in order to to have these stories you actually have to change people's lives right mm -hmm. they have to be like you know like meaningful right. like crypto actually does have to provide um the utility that that it promises um i also think again we say this so often but this is more a message for people that are already in crypto and doing well for themselves mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. message to those people of which I would include ourselves. So this is a reminder to to us, David, mm -hmm. is like, um, think about the long term. Yeah. You know, like it's it's, um, don't don't dump on people, right? Don't <laughs> don't hire felons for your DeFi project, right? <laughs> like, don't rug pull your communities. Don't screw people over. Friends are not exit liquidity. <laughs> <laughs> Right, like so, because that uh, that reflects terribly on the rest of us in crypto, and makes makes people who are here for the long term games makes our job even harder. Yeah. So, but I, I'm probably preaching to the choir. Probably. So it's like pe people who need to hear that message aren't listening to this. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> uh, recap right or this uh, debrief right now. So, um, what else? Anything else strike you? Jump out at you from that episode? Um, I mean, so many things, but I think we can wrap it up here. All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks for staying with us on The Debrief. We'll talk to you next time.